angry king, devastating drought, epic opposition, and one man who overcomes it all. When the world around us is spinning out of control, where do we turn? Join us today as we start a new series called Elijah, right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And as always, so thankful that you are tuning in, downloading this episode today. Appreciate it. Uh, we also believe that God has placed you where you are at this moment, listening to this podcast for a reason and a purpose. And our prayers that God will reveal that to you, uh, hopefully today, uh, if not today, soon. Uh, so we're definitely praying for that. Hey, uh, I hope you're ready to study Elijah today. I hope you're ready. Um, if you have a chance, uh, man, if you have a Bible with you, that would be great. Uh, I want you to open them up to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And today we start our four-week uh, series on called Elijah. And it's, uh, it's about the one of the greatest men of God recorded in all of Scripture, uh, Elijah himself. Now, I believe... He is the greatest of all recorded scripture, except for Jesus Christ himself, obviously. But let me give you the context of the time period that we are studying. When Elijah was alive, the, the northern kingdom had experienced 19 consecutive evil kings, spanning about a 200-year time period. And, and during the time of which uh, Elijah lived, there was a very evil king named Ahab, who, who was married to a wicked woman named Jezebel. And some say the most wicked woman who had ever lived. And under their reign, the Bible says that Ahab did more evil in the eyes of God than any of those before him. Now, during these times of idolatry, these evil kings would turn people's hearts away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They would turn them to the false gods, the God of Baal, Azariah, and people would often sacrifice their children to these false gods. Now, we've all been, I think, to a point where we were ready to, you know, maybe disown our kids or uh, just right to that brink of, man, like, man, you know, so, you know what I'm talking about. I don't think we'd ever sacrifice our children to these false gods. But anyway, they would go into these temples and engage in sexual activities with prostitutes and call it worship. And they would do other things that are even too gross to describe. And, and scripture says under Ahab's reign, he was more evil than anyone before him. So this is a very, very dark, dark time of corruption. We're, we're talking about major scandals, tremendous idol worship, and God said, enough is enough. Interestingly, though, God didn't raise up an army to take a stand against the evil king. Instead, God does what God often does, and that is he raised up one person to take a stand, one man. And I would argue that in today's world, God may want to do something very similar where you live. Maybe God might raise up a, a teenage girl to take a stand in her class against all others for sexual purity. God may raise up a, a young business leader to take a stand for integrity in a, in a business that's lacking integrity. God may raise up one person to go into politics to take a stand for that which is true and actually do that, right? God often raises up one person to make a big difference. 
So today, to make a, a foundational understanding of who Elijah is, I want to call uh, this episode The Making of a Man of God. Or it could be the making of a woman of God, okay? So, so let's start with an understanding of who or what does the, the name uh, Elijah mean, okay? If you're taking any kind of notes, very literally, the name means my God is Jehovah. So immediately, when God raises up this prophet to stand down the king, by his very name alone, he makes, he's making this testimony saying the Lord God is the one true God, right? My God is Jehovah. And he stands down the king who had turned so many against the one true God. And so this is where we're going to pick up our story. Uh, it's the first time we see an Elijah in all of scripture. It's uh, verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 17. At the very beginning of the story, we don't have any really any background of the, of the prophet. We simply know him as where he's from. And that's how he's identified. Let's read uh, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Galilee uh, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, if this was a movie, the music would go boom, 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 right? Because that was just, what was just said was one of the most strategic prophetic judgments against the land that you could imagine. He said, for the next months and years, no rain and no dew. Now, to put that in context, this would have been an economic shutdown in this agriculturally driven economy. No rain shut down everything. In our world, it would mean you you can't get gas at the gas stations, the, the banks are not lending money, and you can't get your own money out of them. You won't have electricity at your home, right? Life as you know it has just ended, okay? There will be people starving to death. Unemployment will, will reach 50, 60, 70, 80%. People are going to be dying all over the place. And so this man of God stands down this evil king and says, no more rain. Tremendous faith to do so. So in my mind, I'm thinking the battle is on, right? The, the man of God stands strong. Let's see him fight. But instead, God does something that, a, that is a little bit different. He takes Elijah into a season of hiding for a long period of time. God goes and and, and takes Elijah away so so he can do so much more in him. Why? Well, because there's so much more God wants to do through him. And we are going to watch as God shapes this man in a very deep season of preparation, almost as if God is saying, there's so much more I need to do in you because there's so much more I want to do through you. Many of you, you might not identify with the preparatory work that God takes Elijah through because there are three seasons of of preparations that I'm going to identify in the story. The first one, God takes him through what I call a season of isolated pain, isolated pain, where he is very, very alone. He's got no one else to call out to, and he's hurting very, very privately in a season of of hiding. Let's pick up our, our story again on verses two and three. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. Kareth Ravine, okay? Now this word Kareth, in the Hebrew, it means cut off or or cut down. It means to be cut off from the source, to be cut off from the blessings. Or very literally, it means to cut down like you would chop down a tree. 
And you can almost sense what God is saying here. It's as if God is going to say, I'm going to take you through a season of breaking. I'm going to cut you down. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to teach you to be totally dependent on me. And I'm going to humble you, humble you privately before I use you publicly. I'm going to do something in you that's very, very deep. So later on, you can do more, uh, you can do more through than, than you ever thought possible, right? I'm going to take you down privately so I can use you publicly. A lot of times, people are in the Kareth Ravine. They're in a season of pain. They're, they're going, where is God? And the reality is, oftentimes, God is right there doing a deep work in you. It's a little bit like uh, the little bird that was flying south for the winter. And he got off to a late start. And so he got caught in a snowstorm, right? It'd be like he's flying through Nebraska, literally, okay? <laughs> if you don't know Nebraska, that's, that's, that describes Nebraska. Anyway, and the snow and sleet was so fierce that it got on his little wings and they started to freeze. And all of a sudden, he came in for this, this crash landing, okay? And this little birdie was on the ground and he was being pelted with snow, more and more snow. And, and he was so cold, he realized his wings were now frozen solid. Like, and, and so at the point where he couldn't fly at all, right? He couldn't even flap them. And, and, and now he's just being covered, right? The snow just keeps coming. So he just resigned to this horrible death that was about to happen. He said, this is the worst thing ever. I'm going to freeze to death. Well, all of a sudden, a cow comes along and stands on top of the, the, little, the little birdie, you know, stands over him and begins to, how do I say this, uh, dump on him? <laughs> I know that's kind of gross, but hear me out, okay? Kind of just a load of manure <laughs> falls on the little bird. And the bird says, I thought it was bad and I was going to freeze to death. Now I'm under this manure. It's the worst thing ever. Well, then all of a sudden, the warmth of the manure started to cause this little frozen body to thaw out. And he started to shake his little wings. You know, I may live. I, I might just live. And he began to be so excited, he started to chirp with joy. You know, chirp, 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 You know, being all excited. And all of a sudden, one of Satan's leading creatures, a cat, shows up, heard the chirping, killed, and ate the bird. That's the end of the story. <laughs> now, I want to give you three lessons from the story. Lesson number one, everyone who dumps manure on you is not your enemy, okay? <laughs> right? You know, right? Like the cow. Lesson number two, everyone who digs you out is not necessarily your friend, right? A.K.A. the cat. And lesson number three, when you're in manure, keep your big mouth shut, okay? <laughs> Makes sense, right? Some of you right now, you would say, man, I'm living in the Kareth Ravine. I I I'm there. I'm being broken. It it's like I'm being cut down. You know, those, those things that I used to depend on, I no longer can depend on. I'm, I'm in this Kareth Ravine. And God may say, no, you've got to understand I'm doing something in you. There's a preparatory work going on. I'm, I'm teaching you something that you couldn't learn any other way. I'm, I'm doing this work in you so I can do more through you. The second thing that we see God take Elijah through as he's shaping him, molding him into a man of God and power, uh, as he takes him through a season of what I call total dependence, okay? Total and complete dependence. It's where Elijah cannot depend on anything at all but God and God alone. Okay? Let's read on in our story, verses 4 through 6. It says, You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. 
The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, first thing I want to point out, those of you who are against meat, those of you who are vegetarians, I just want to point out, God brought meat, okay? And all I have to say to that is praise be to God in heaven on high, okay? Just wanted to say that, all right? Uh, so here we see Elijah all by himself. Yes, it had nothing to do with the story. I just wanted to point that out, okay? So here we see Elijah all by himself, and, and God does this, this cocky miracle, right? In the middle of a drought, there's no water at all, and this brook kind of comes up, just pops up, right? And then we've got God's heavenly catering service. These birds go out and, and find bread and meat, and every morning and every evening, they, they dr- deliver them straight to the prophet. What was God doing? God was very clearly and very distinctly saying that no matter what and for always, I will be faithful. You can count on me to provide for you. Many of you right now, you are in a season of where there was something you used to trust in for your security and it's been taken away and and you don't have anything else to trust in but the giver of life and the giver of all good things. And you are having to learn that when everything else that you've used to believe in fades away, right, God will forever and always be faithful to you. I will illustrate it this way. A single mom knew this well. She, she would pray every day, very loudly in her apartment. She would pray to her God and, and worship him for his provision. And she lived next door to an atheist who, who hated hearing her prayers through the very thin walls. And, and she would worship God, and the atheist would come over and say, Lady, you're a fool. There is no God. There's no God. Well, then one week, there was more months left than money, and she was crying out to God, Oh, God, you've always provided for me. You, you've always been faithful. I know you'll come through again. Oh, God, please provide food for my, my children and me. And the atheist had enough. And so he immediately went to the grocery store, bought several bags of food, brought it back over to the women's apartment, put it in the front of the door, knocked on the door, ran and hid in his apartment. The single mom comes out. She sees the food. Oh, God, in heaven, you are so good. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so amazing. Well, the atheist heard this and jumps out and says, you fool. There is no God. God didn't do that. I did it just to prove you to you that there is no God. And she worshiped God all the more at this moment. She said, thank you, oh, God. You provided for my needs, and you made the devil pay the bills, right? Forever and always, God says, I will be your provider. When you can't depend on what you used to be able to depend on, I will deliver what you need. Here's the cool thing about Elijah's story. God didn't give him two days worth of food. God didn't give him a week's worth of food. God didn't give him a three-month supply. What did God give him? Enough for the day. Enough for the day. Some of you, you are in a season where you're hurting and you're alone and you're afraid, but guess what? God delivers enough for the day. You're uncomfortable and you're afraid, but God says, I will be your comfort for today. You don't have much, but God says, I will be your provision for today. You feel very weak, but God says, I will be your strength for today. Your friends leave you, but God says, I will be your friend for the day. I may not bring more than you need, but I will bring exactly what you need. I will be your daily bread, right? Your daily bread. And Elijah learns to depend on God for that day. God is teaching him. He's breaking him. He's cutting him. He's humbling him. He's teaching him total dependence. When, when he has no ability to provide for himself, God is teaching him, I will always be your provider. The third thing that God does is God takes him through a season of what I call unconditional obedience. 
right? There's isolated pain, there's total dependence, and then there's a season of unconditional obedience. Let's read on in our story, seven verses seven through nine. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Let's put ourselves in the prophet's place for a moment. It's been been months that he's been by this ravine and it's been feeding him daily water, right? And God told him to go there and then the brook dries up and God says to move on. In my mind, you know, I'm starting to think, okay, God, where are you? What's the purpose uh, of being here? You gave me water from the brook and now the water dries up. Did I do something wrong, right? You're telling me to go on. Did I miss you the first time? Am I hearing you right, God? I don't quite understand. Why would the source of what used to feed me dry up? And he's going to learn that the same God who gives water can take water away. Because often, God may cause the brook to dry up, to to give us the courage to leave where we are and to go where we are supposed to be. Some of you right now, you may be going, oh my God, my, my brook is drying up. I used to be able to trust in my, in my job, but, but I'm not sure I can trust in my job anymore. I used to be able to trust and I had all these good friends and then boom, they turned on me and my friendship brook is, is drying up. I used to believe that I had a good marriage that would last a long time, but oh my gosh, it seems like the brook in my marriage is, is drying up. I used to be really close to God and it's like the brook's drying up. A lot of times people will say God guides by what he provides, and he does. And pastors will say, where there is vision, God gives the provision. And God will often guide by what he provides. But I believe with all my heart, God also often guides by what he does not provide. The same God who gives water may cause the brook to dry up, to give us the courage to take a step of total obedience. The brook dried up and it gave Elijah the courage to be obedient, even when it didn't make sense. God said, go to Zarephath. And I don't understand, God. I don't understand what you're saying. You know, how many of you have seen um, the movie Karate Kid? I hope, I hope you see that because I love that movie, right? I love the scene where Daniel wants to learn to fight. And he goes to Mr. Miyagi and says, teach me to fight. And Mr. Miyagi says, okay, first, wash the cars, right? Daniel said, wash the cars, right? Wax on, wax off, right? We all remember that, right? And so Daniel washes the cars, and then Mr. Miyagi says to paint the fence, and Daniel goes out there, and he, and he painted the fence, and then Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel, sand, sand the floor, right? And Daniel sands the floor, and then it was paint the house, and, 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 and I had all these things, chores, right? I don't know if that was all in the right order or not, but, but anyway, he does them all. Well, now at this time, Daniel is super mad, right? Mr. Miyagi comes to Daniel, and Daniel's mad, and he says to him, all you've done is made me do all this work. I thought you were going to teach me to fight. And then finally, Mr. Miyagi says, okay, time to fight. And he throws a punch and Daniel's kind of just half-heartedly blocks and he says, no, 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 paint the fence. And he punches him again and Daniel blocks it. And Daniel says, whoa, wait, wait a minute, what? And it all comes together, right? There were all these weird, you know, teachings. Oh, what, what are you trying to tell me? Why is this thing? And oh, now I see it's coming together. He starts to block all this stuff, right? And God says to the prophet Elijah, Go to the Kareth Ravine. Huh? What? What's that? And be fed by the ravens. What? What are you talking about? And then the brook dried up, right? What? 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 Right? And God sends him to go into this new place. Now, we are not able to read all the rest of the story today, okay? But I'm going to hit some of the high points, okay? I encourage you to read 1 Kings chapter 17. 
But anyway, uh, Elijah, he moves, right? And so he does what he, what, um, what God says and he moves and then he travels to this place, maybe a hundred miles or so, right across a barren land. And he comes and sees this widow who God says is going to provide for him. And so he humbles himself and he says, Madam, I'm really thirsty. Could you please give me some, some water to drink and maybe a little snack? Cause I'm kind of hungry as well. And the widow looks at him and goes, what are you the only guy that doesn't know it hasn't rained? We're, we're dying. There's a drought here, I, and I'm a widow. I've got one son. He's, he's back at the hut, and I came out here to get some sticks because I'm going to make a fire to, to make the last meal. I've got a little bit of flour left. I've got a little bit of oil left in the jug, and that's all I've got left, enough for one last meal. We are going to eat, and then we are going to die. And because of what God is doing in Elijah's life, he says, no, you're not. And he looks at an impossible situation, speaks faith into it. And he says, the flour that you have will not run out and the jar of oil will not run dry. Go back and bake me some biscuits. Now, I don't know if he's quite as mean as like, <laughs> but, but that's what happens. And, and she does. And they ate the biscuits and the flour did not run out and uh, the flour did not run out and the oil did not run dry. And they ate for weeks and months, right? God, again, supernaturally provided for Elijah in his unconditional obedience to God. Well, then one day tragedy struck and the son died mysteriously. Mom freaked out, as you would expect, and, and said, is this God's judgment on me because I turned against the one true God to, to these false gods? Elijah, did you come here so this would happen? And Elijah, because of all what had happened, because God was shaping him, did something that to our knowledge had never happened before in history. He takes a dead boy, carries him up to the upper room, puts his body on top of him, looks up to heaven and says, God, I think you can heal this guy. I'm asking you to do it. And God raises a dead boy to life. Why did this happen? Because God took him to the Kareth Ravine where he was cut down. God took him to a season of total dependence where he couldn't depend on anything at all but God and God alone. And then God dried up the brook so that he would leave where he was to go where God ultimately wanted him. So once again, he could perform a miracle and raise the dead back to life. God used this horrible things to shape him into a, a true man of God. Now, next week's episode, we're going to be talking about how God gives him the faith and courage for, for that, this one man to stand down 450 false prophets, and, and he asked God to send fire from heaven to prove God's goodness. Why could Elijah have such faith? Why could he have such faith? It's because he had been through the Kareth Ravine. Some of you right now, you are in a season of deep pain. And God may just say, I'm doing something in you because one day I'm going to do more through you. The making of a man or a woman of God, they often go through the Kareth Ravine. So God can do in them what he wants to do before he does more through him. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. Thanks for joining us again today. Thank you for downloading this episode. Uh, we hope you'll join us next week, next Monday, as we have another brand new episode of Elijah for you to download. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.